0: underscore data I'm getting a little bit of an early start on this because again I'm not at work today and I figure family's gone. Um, let's see if I can just knock this out. so if there's any big revelations that come up or anything that I happen to miss you'll have to forgive me. it's 1142 central time so it is what it is but um, plenty of material to continue on with um, I, I did have a chance to listen to the interviews I listened to a couple other podcasts. Just for fun, I guess. We've got the PFF grades and stats and all that kind of stuff and insights with that. So, plenty to talk about today. But I did want to rip through um, some of the earlier comments or from the, uh, the press conferences and whatnot. Just a couple slight observations, I'm sure most of which um, either I've mentioned on Twitter or it's, it's pretty common knowledge at this point. But um, Aaron Rodgers did essentially. Um, Corroborate the idea that the the reason for a lot of the way that the offense unfolded it really wasn't a game plan thing. The Lions dictated it. The Lions said we're playing two shell as they call it, two safeties, and we're just going to take away any passes you know ten yards or more, and we're going to force you to either run or throw these quick little underneath passes you know screens and whatnot. And then it's up to you guys to make plays. And so that's just they just took what was given to them, and then they had a couple explosive plays outside of that. Um, he did go on to elaborate a little bit with Aaron Jones, talking about how special he is. He says, when you watch the tape, 33 is just different, which really just kind of goes to show that, you know, it, it is going to be heavy, Aaron Jones, for a while, uh, not so much A.J. Dillon, especially since, and again, I like A.J., and he does some good stuff, but a lot of mental errors. I think pass blocking, there were some issues. I think communication, there was quite a few issues. I remember on one play in particular, it was supposed to be a screen and he ended up tripping and falling, and there was nowhere for him to go. And I don't remember if he took a sack or what exactly happened, but I remember he was just not happy. And maybe, you know, that might not even be A.J. Dillon's fault necessarily. The offensive line tripped him up. I don't know. But I think it's just one of those things when, when Dillon's out there, Rodgers just doesn't doesn't like the way things go. Things just don't go as smoothly. And with Aaron Jones, things just go like they're supposed to go. It's not always a great run. It's not always the best read or decision every single time. Sometimes the, black, the blocking is poor. But it's it you know again it just comes back to what we keep talking about all the time it's just I can trust that you're going to do what is required on this play and with Dylan maybe not quite as much real raw talent really special kind of a person but he's just got he's got a ways to go and it's great to have him as a complimentary back right now and eventually a guy that can take over but I, I don't see anything you know unlike Stokes I don't see anything that says that watch out for Dylan to take over anytime soon. Now, again, there may be a game when Dylan is just tearing it up and they just turn the ball over to him. You know, that that power, the smash and power type stuff is working and, you know, Aaron Jones can't get his footing. So let's just run with it. But in general, I think every game plan going forward is Aaron Jones is going to get the vast majority of snaps. Um, he also went on to talk about how he missed MVS. Um, some, some people are concerned and have mentioned it happens every time where you talk about maybe MVS is the problem. Um, but Aaron acknowledged that I remember, too, he says there were three different times he missed them, and there could have been three more touchdowns in this game. Obviously, butterfly effect, um, no guarantee that we would have been up three more touchdowns in this, but certainly would have been up more had he hit MVS in stride at least once, because I think one of them was down at the end of the game, and we ended up sort of punting or whatever, but... um it's, it's also, you know, it's another one of those negative-positive things where you can look at it and say, obviously that stinks, and Aaron Rodgers didn't play his best, and it would have been nice if he could have hit a couple of those passes and, you know, not look like 2019 Rodgers that can't hit MVS to save his life. But again, what is this offense when that does open up? You know what I mean? So the run game improved, the passing game to some extent improved, and if Aaron Rodgers and MVS can eventually get on the same page... Um, that's a whole other dynamic, and re- remember what we heard about MVS in the the preseason. Not that I really bought too much into it, or that anybody necessarily should. It's been two games with almost no MVS impact. But again, if that starts to open up, at least we get uh, a little bit of what MVS brings to this team, even if it's just once in a while, once every few games. Uh, Rogers also did heap some praise on Josh Myers again, um, not surprisingly. And we'll get into the grades in a little bit. Josh Myers did perform well once again. Um, he is the highest graded rookie center. I haven't really looked at all the details, but I think he's still the fourth overall center. Um, He's just been solid through two weeks. Now, there really has not been a very good defensive line through this whole process, but again, credit where it's due. And the fact that Rodgers, you know, it's just, there's no issues. And remember, the the biggest issue coming into the season was you lost the number one center in football. That was the biggest thing. And um, right now, Josh Myers is better than Corey Lindsley. In fact, Corey Lindsley is one of the worst centers in football right now. Um, He's ranking 32nd out of 41. And if I filter this down a little bit for guys that are actually playing quite a bit, he is, where is he at? 26th out of 34. So um, it's not going well. Josh Myers is fourth. And uh, where's my guy? Corey Lindsley is 26th. So, I mean, it's kind of terrible. He actually had a worse week in week two than he did in week one. He had a 58 overall grade in week one and week two, 48 overall. He had a 30.9 pass blocking grade. So, I mean, it's not to say that it would have been, well, he would have been better if he was here. Fine. But why pay him? Why pay him if it's a scheme thing? And if we can draft a guy in the second round to do as well as Corey Lindsley, what's the point? So again, credit where it's due. You know, if you don't like Brian Gudikin's, fine, how about giving him some credit for not paying Corey Lindsley? How about giving him some credit for drafting his replacement in the second round who's been solid? you don't have to like everything, but to ignore the good things um, for the sake of pushing a narrative is silly. And there's a whole lot of that going on. It's going through the Facebook group is just depressing. It's, it's just ridiculous, the amount of fighting that's going on. And people just cannot, cannot, will not refuse to just be happy. It's mostly fighting. It's not celebrating. It's not, hey, guys, we did it. Great game. Cheers. High fives. No, it's you're an idiot. No, you're an idiot. No, he's an idiot. He should be fired. He should be cut. Let's let Stokes play. I want Slayton. Why isn't Slayton playing? You're stupid. He's stupid. She's stupid. They're all stupid. It's like, guys, we won the freaking game. I don't get it. I mean, I completely understand if it's the first quarter and you're upset and you're like, hey, this is trash because that's what all of us were doing. Some of us, like myself, have learned the art of keeping my mouth shut because of this exact situation, but we were all thinking it. Every single person was watching it going, this defense is trash. And if they want to come back and, and throw receipts in your face, whatever, that's fine. But they were saying it too. There's no question. But the game is over. We see the score. It's 35 to 17. Just, just clap. Just, just go, yay, right? It's like you. Te- I teach my uh, one-year-old daughter to do. You clap and you say, yay, and she can do it. The bickering and the bickering is crazy. Uh, Rodgers did mention also uh, that they may look to start receiving instead of deferring if they win the coin toss, which, I mean, either way, they'll, they'll be starting with the ball every game because most teams usually choose to defer. So whether the Packers win the toss or the other team wins the toss, the Packers will get it first. But the point is he acknowledged that they're having some real slow starts and that's causing problems. They need to get some more momentum early, and that would be a good way to kind of get get that started. So something to keep an eye on. It it kind of made me chuckle a little bit because as soon as he said that, you know, because the question kind of came out of nowhere and he was pondering and he's like, mm, yeah, maybe that's something we'll consider going forward. And it's like, have you talked to anybody about that or did you just des- just decide that on the spot? But I'm sure he's referring to conversations he's had, but I just thought that was kind of funny. Another important and telling thing that Roger said, which again is kind of kind of obvious, but it's nice to get it from him because it's one of those things you mentioned and people are like, you don't know what you're talking about, whatever. But Rogers mentioned how week one, he was not in rhythm, right? Things were not really flowing very well. And he said when he did it today, he was pretty accurate, which again is important because he acknowledged it wasn't an all day kind of thing. But once he was kind of feeling it, he was throwing in rhythm because remember this, this whole offense and, and every offense to some degree is, is about rhythm and timing. Everything is about your drop is tied to the route. The way you drop and where you look and all these different things are tied together, so that when you get to a certain point in your drop, you're ready to throw to this person. If that person isn't open, you you know you you move on to your next read. But everything is based on rhythm and timing, so that by the time you come over here, he's coming out of his break. If that's not there, you come over here, and ideally, you know Rogers kind of understands who's going to be open and who's not, based on all these different things, so we don't have to waste all our time. But if the rhythm and timing are off, it, it, it causes hesitation and it causes kind of, you know, I'm not really ready. And I, I you know, I mean, if you just miss a guy for a second, you know, if the timing is there and let's say he moves his eyes to Devante and the second he moves his eyes to Devante Devante's coming out of his break and he sees he's got a half a step on the guy and he knows that there's no safety help over the top. I'm just completely making this up. He's going to unload it automatic and he's going to throw it right where it needs to be. And Devontae's just going to run right to the ball and it's going to be done. If he looks over to Devontae, and Devontae had come out of his break like two seconds earlier, and he's open, but there's also a safety toward the middle of the field, and if I throw it now, I don't think I can get there before the safety gets there. Maybe if I underthrow him, and he's trying to do this calculation on his head and see, and you know, you got to think too, I mean, if I throw it way behind Devontae, is he going to know to come back, or is this just a terrible throw, and can the corner catch up and catch it? And so it causes that hesitation, because again, I missed the route by about a second or two. And if I'd have seen him come immediately out of the break, I could have thrown it and he'd have been wide open. And that's too where we look at it and say, the guy's wide open. Why didn't he throw it? Well, because I didn't. he didn't get his eyes where they needed to be at the exact right time. The timing is just not quite where it needs to be. And so he, again, he said this week when you know the rhythm was a little bit more um, in sync and when he was playing in rhythm and when everything was in rhythm, and it's not always just on him. I mean, the offensive line, if they're not blocking well and he has to kind of break the pocket a little bit, it, it throws the timing off of everything. Because now he brings up his eyes and who's where now. Now pretty much everyone's done running the route. Now we're doing scramble drills. And you're trying to figure out, who do I look at? And are we communicating? And is he going to run where I want him to go and figure out where all the defenders are and make sure that I'm clear? Also, there's a guy hunting me, literally hunting me from behind. You know, I mean, it's just, Rodgers is good at that stuff. But the point is, as he said, when when we can get into a rhythm, and when I'm playing in rhythm, because this is, a lot of it is on Rodgers, but things work well and this is this is essentially all we're looking for. We need this to get in 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 rhythm in sync for us to get back to what we saw in 2020 and there's every reason to believe that it will. Rodgers might be a little bit rusty. Lafleur might be a little bit rusty with his play calling and making sense of all these things and also trying to figure out what the defense doing there whole thing, you know, I mean, if the defense throws a couple wrinkles at you, or maybe just the way they're playing defense is is causing problems with these kinds of things. And so play calling again comes into play, the offensive line not quite doing what they need to be doing. If these things tighten up a little bit, it's going to have a compounding effect where you go from being a terrible team to a really scary football team. Just got a uh, a live update here. Obviously, this is old news to you, but uh, this is compliments of Justin Young, um, guy helps me out a lot with the Facebook. If you see some cool graphics and stuff on Facebook, that's Justin. He's my guy controlling all that stuff. But anyways, Tom Pellicero, the Packers are waving tight end Jay Sternberger per source. Not the most surprising thing in the world. Um, there was some question about that. What are they going to do once the suspension is up? Cause that's the thing you got two weeks and then you got to make a decision what you want to do. Um, and obviously the time has come and they're looking at it and you know, it's one of those things where they probably, cause I was thinking if they're going to keep them, if they're planning on cutting him, why not just cut him? Well, there's always a possibility that, let's say, a guy gets injured. Let's say um, Robert Tunyon gets hurt. In that scenario, or Daphne, or any of these guys, you'll probably bring back Jace. But everybody's healthy. Everybody's doing quite well. Uh, DeGuara seemingly will be back. Maybe not this week. I don't really know, but at some point. And so they felt comfortable enough to say, Jace, just this just isn't working with Jace, and we're going to move on. So... Nothing too surprising. Again, it's, it is disappointing. You you, you hate to see uh, picks not pan out, but um, that's the nature of the business. And again, I am at least happy to see that the Packers are willing to move on. They're not going to, I mean, they'll give them some time, but if things just aren't working, things just aren't working, then, you know, it's time to move on. So Jace just could not quite figure it out. Um, as far as Randall Cobb, but the only thing interesting about it, uh, Rogers was sort of commenting on how he said he was noticing that Randall was not on the field very much. So <laughs> Apparently, he didn't realize prior to the game plan that Randall was not going to be a very big part of it. Like I mentioned yesterday, I went through the snap counts and whatnot. Um, He didn't play hardly at all. And so, again, Rodgers is playing the game. And as the game's going along, he's noticing, hey, why is Randall never out here? And then again, when he does go out there, he's feeding him the ball pretty heavily. So I just wonder, you know, not drumming up drama or anything, but I'm just saying, I wonder if maybe Rodgers is going to kind of hint toward, I've been trying to tell you, he needs to be out there. He went out there, he made plays, and then you guys never put him out there. Maybe he stays out there a little bit. You know, instead of force-feeding MVS and all these other Malik Taylor-type things, maybe keep my guy out there. I don't know. I'm just saying. doesn't have to be a bad conversation, just a conversation. Um, and then, uh, finally, Rodgers had a pretty candid uh, moment, a very honest moment about how long is it going to take before you get a real feel for this, for this team. And he says it's going to be a little while talked about the defense and, and all those kinds of things and and again it's 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 a negative positive it's not great to hear we're not there yet and you know I don't really have a feel for this and we're not really sure what we are and all that but at the same time again it's very evident that they have n- they're nowhere near their ceiling and and you can point to a lot of different things i mean Aaron Rodgers is just one of those things we have not seen even anywhere near peak Aaron Rodgers he's still like a bottom 10 quarterback overall If you're looking at PFF, and a lot of that is week one, but week two was not an elite game. Again, we'll get into PFF and all. I want to say it's like 70 or something. It was fine. It was okay, but he missed a bunch of passes, almost threw a pick, and most of his passes were little five-yard dump-offs. We have not seen Aaron Rodgers just completely go God mode yet, and I fully anticipate that's going to happen at some point. Devontae had a very good game. Not exactly peak Devontae, but fantastic. I think he was the highest-graded player overall. Um, Aaron Jones, definitely have not seen him peak. We have not seen um, the offensive line play a real solid game. I mean, overall, just top to bottom as far as blocking. Uh, A.J. Dillon, uh, Tunyon had a decent performance. It was not godlike. Uh, we haven't seen Lazard hardly do anything. We haven't seen MVS do anything. Rashan has been breaking or, or been winning like crazy off the edge, has not really had a huge impact yet. Zedarius has hardly played. Kenny is not, you know, week one was solid, but, you know, haven't seen a a ton of impact from Kenny. The safeties have not had a big impact up to this point. Stokes has barely been on the field. Devondre Campbell, we just saw for the first time this past week. So again, it's, you know, and that's all just the positives. There's going to be negatives every single week. But point is, we've seen at best average from just about everybody, and they pulled off their first pretty big win. And, um, Again, as he said, we, we, they have not hit their stride. They, they have not really, um, it hasn't really synced up yet. They haven't really been able to get to the point where they're like, okay, this is who we are. This is who we are. This is what we are. This is how we operate. This is how we're going to win. This is how we're going to lose, et cetera, et cetera. This is what it is. It's still a, a discovery period for even the Packers. Um, as far as Aaron Jones, the, I mean, obviously he had a press conference, had a great day. Um, kind of a crazy story. Apparently he had a necklace football necklace with uh, some of the father, uh, his father's ashes in it, and he lost it on one of those touchdown uh, scoring plays, so the uh, grounds crew update, I believe they did find it, but um, kind of a scary thing, but Jones kind of took it in stride, made even a little joke about it, something about, uh, you know, I know my dad would say if you're going to lose it anywhere, lose it in the end zone, so um, pretty wild. I feel like you never really get anything super substantive out of Aaron Jones, and I kind of feel like it's just because the media likes him so much. So all the questions are just, how did it feel? How does it feel? How do you feel? And you are like, oh, it feels great. How did it feel to do so well? Uh, It feels great. How did it feel to establish the run? It felt great. All right, thank you very much for your time. I love Aaron Jones. It's not his fault. He doesn't ask himself the questions, but it's like they never, you know, when it's Aaron Rodgers, they want to know, like, the details. You know, like, what what caused this? And and what do you got to do about this? What does your team have to do? Aaron Jones are just like, How are your feelings, buddy? Aw, we love you, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. How did it feel to be so amazing? It feels great, thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Aaron Jones knows stuff. Ask him like a deep question. Ask him about the offense a little bit. Uh kinda gotta rip through these a little bit quicker, but Devondre Campbell is kind of funny. They they asked him about the interception and um he basically just said, I don't know why the quarterback threw, it, it was kind of stupid. I mean, I was just kinda standing over that way I mean I basically I did my job and I covered the guy so he's not open so I'm thinking he's not going to throw it and I'm watching the quarterback I'm keeping my eyes on him and sure enough he uncorks it and it's like all right dude I guess I'll go get it and he he got it so that's football players are funny man they they usually they'll just tell it to you straight um for the most part they're just like I don't know man I just uh just kind of did my job fans are always trying to be all crazy about stuff like dude that was a crazy interception and Devondre's like well I was standing over there, I covered the guy, and he wasn't open, and the quarterback made a stupid decision, and so I decided to catch it, so that's how that happened. Um, Otherwise, it was mostly, you know, again, it's very vague type stuff, but he did give credit to Joe Barry, which doesn't have to mean anything, obviously, but um, he kind of just put it on the players. He says, Joe Barry puts us in a great position to make plays, we just got to do it. He even said, you know, what was the difference between the first and second half, he said there really wasn't a difference. It's just a matter of, essentially, I'm putting words in his mouth a little bit, but essentially it's a matter of ex- execution. You know, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough fought game and credit to our opponent in the first half, they they came at us and they executed really well. And in the second half, we executed well is essentially what it was. So we got to see, you know what I mean? Because that that is a, a factor. Um, you know, there, there's the scheme element and then there's the execution element. And, and it's one thing to... Say, hey, I want Joe Barry to come over here and implement the Rams scheme, and that's cool, and he can probably do it and Fangio's scheme or whatever it is. And I'm sure that's why Joe Barry got hired, because it's you know, it's it's what Matt LaFleur respects. He respects and fears that's kind of defense, so he went and got a guy that can implement it. But there's 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 understanding it and telling the guys how to do it, and then there's, you know, coaching and uh, getting them prepared and them being able to execute it. Those are separate issues. So um Again, it's it's a step in the right direction to see at least in the after six quarters, they uh, they start to execute it a little bit. And um, again, we'll have to see how it goes. But that's that was Campbell's um, sort of way of of illustrating the situation on defense. Uh, looking at Matt Lafleur, uh, the first thing of substance that I heard him say talking about Eric Stokes, it's very clear again. Everybody wants to hear Matt LaFleur basically come out and say, he's our guy, he earned his spot, but he didn't. He said, you know, when asked about him, the first thing he does, and you can always tell based on whether they try to pump people up or put people down. For Kevin King, when people talk about Kevin King, the question is usually asked in a negative way, and they go out of their way to talk about how great Kevin King is. When asked about Stokes or TJ Slayton or whatever, it's the exact opposite, the question is, is something to the effect of how, how did you, and it's not just a random thing like with Slayton, like how excited are you about him potentially doing this, that, or the other. It's about, hey, he had a great game, huh, coach? And immediately you can hear him try to downplay it. And it is a little bit annoying that they do that, but it's, it's I don't know, it's just a thing they do. And so he says, yeah, you know, he had, uh, he had the one play um, that was on our side and then the other play at the end of the game and then immediately transitions to, look, he's a he's a young player, and uh, we're going to try to find ways to get him involved, etc. Bottom line, he's not ready yet. We're going to try to get him on the field as much as we can, but uh, he's obviously still not our guy, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Maybe he's just saying that because he doesn't want uh, to get you know King upset or doesn't want to get Stokes a big head or anything like that, or maybe he just doesn't want to tip his hand to the 49ers. I don't know, but... It's just one of those things, man, and it gets it gets a little bit annoying, but it is what it is. Um, Stokes is not... Kevin King's still the guy right now. Um, talking about the interior offensive line, um, the question was posed, why did you start Runyon over Lucas Patrick? I think that was fairly straightforward with the injury and the, the not practicing and everything why Runyon started. But he also did mention it's kind of still a fluid situation, similar to how it was in the preseason. Um, and given Runyon's slow start and the fact that, or, or excuse me, um, Newman's slow start and Patrick, uh, geez, Runyon having such a good day, day. And again, we'll go over all that. Um, it's not impossible. We have Runyon and Patrick back again next week. We'll see what happens with Newman. Newman did great out as a pass blocker quite well, but the run blocking was just horrific. And um, that's, again, if, if you're going to play a team that's just going to play too high, and say, we dare you to run. You got a guy, as good of a pass blocker as he might be, he can't push anybody out of the way. That's going to be a problem. So we'll see what they end up doing. I think any combination of those three is, is you can make a case for for any of those. Anyways, that's about it. Again, it, you know, a lot of platitudes and uh, obviously Barnes and Devontae talk, uh, talk to the media as well and kind of, you know, whatever. You can go check those out if you want. The Green Bay Packers have their own YouTube channel. They update a lot of these things. They do a good job there. I would use that instead of Packers.com because Packers.com is terrible. Um, just my own my own re- advice to you. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I mentioned how I didn't really want to watch the Peyton Manning cast, and maybe I should have. Some of it does seem kind of interesting. I don't know, whatever. Um, I want I really wanna if anybody has I don't know if they replay that at all, maybe I'll check YouTube TV, see if they have that on replay or whatever. But they did show the replay of that Tunyon touchdown, it was kind of cool because you get the comments from – because Brett Favre is on there, which is super cool. I didn't even know he was a guest on there. But you got Eli, you got Brett, and you got Peyton, which are – I mean, let's let's be honest. Whatever you think about Eli, these are three unbelievable quarterbacks. I mean, you've got how many Super Bowls between them? Brett's got one. Eli's got two. How many does Manning have? I um, think he's also got two. So we got five Super Bowls among these three quarterbacks. Um, and just talking about it. But the other interesting thing is um, – They talked about, well, he had the underneath. That was the Lazard thing that everybody was saying he was wide open. And Brett's like, he had everybody. And I looked at it, he kind of does. You got MVS on the outside. He just runs a a curl, and he is open. Um, Devontae wasn't open, but he was held. And I feel like if the ball was thrown in that direction and the refs are looking, that's an automatic first down, no question about it. The only guy that really wasn't open was Aaron Jones, and he kind of ran a similar, I don't know, let me go back a little bit. It looked like another little curl, but it's one of those where you run to the fender and just kind of turn around, and there's there's nothing there. But it, it really was. Just about everybody's open. He threw to the one guy that was not open, and it was such a picture-perfect pass. And that's kind of the cool thing. It's the cool thing and the horrible thing about Aaron Rodgers, because Aaron Rodgers will refuse to just take the simple throw that's right there. I mean, Alan Lazard, and Rodgers even said he might have scored on that. Easy first down. I mean, he's he he was so the Packers are on the 22 yard line, it looks like. Um, the first down marker is at about the 16, he was at about the 10 yard line, wide open. So that's a definite first down and all that kind of stuff. But the point is, he just hit Devontae, right? That is a tough, tough throw. I mean, it was deep down the right sideline, right in the bucket. So he's feeling it. And he's looking at this, and he sees Tunyon, and he knows that defender's not going to turn around. If I can put the ball right where it needs to be, and Tunyon pops his head just around the corner and can catch this, I can get the ball there. And he said, you know, he's just he can just feel it, and he feels himself in rhythm. And that's when we know Aaron Rodgers is starting to feel it. And that's when I said, this is the moment when Aaron Rodgers started to feel it. And it's, it's good, but it's also bad, again, because if this doesn't get completed, if the, if the defender gets his hand up and swats it away, if Tunyon doesn't catch it or whatever, we're all going to look at this and say, Alan Lazard was open, you dummy. Why didn't you just t- throw it to the open guy? It's, it's the blessing and the curse of Aaron Rodgers. But at the end of the day, the thing that makes Aaron Rodgers special is those throws. But anyways, before we take the break, I want to talk about our next giveaway. We are doing a Devontae Adams signed jersey. So it is a signed Devontae Adams jersey. Again, it's going to be very, very simple to do. Um, We're going to have a graphic made up, and this time it's going to be on Twitter. So once that graphic comes up, I'm going to pin it to the top of my profile, and you're just going to have to follow me, Pack underscore Daddy, retweet that picture, and sign up at Pristine Auction. Use promo code Packernet. That's it. So again, most of you have already done all of these things. You're already following me on Twitter. You've already signed up at Pristine. So all you're going to have to do is when that graphic comes, just retweet it. If you haven't done those things, again, they're very, very simple to do. So that'll be the thing. The graphic should be up by today, or I guess technically yesterday. Um, But anyways, also, if you wouldn't mind supporting me, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated. One of the things that we had discussed on the live stream that I think we're going to do is start doing some prop bets among the patrons. And I'm not exactly sure how it's going to go, but it's essentially just going to be... Some kind of, I don't know, but it's either going to be everybody submits their own prop bets and then we set some lines for it or whatever. I'm not sure the best way to go about it, but it's going to be fun stuff. It's going to be, you know, 10 to one that, uh, you know, DeGuara gets the first touchdown when he comes back or whatever, like stuff like that. Um, 30 to one that uh, Stokes gets a pick six. Again, I don't exactly know the details, but everybody I've talked to has really, really liked that idea. And so I figured that'd be something kind of fun to do with the patrons. So if you want to jump in, again, you can do it for as little as a dollar a month. I'm trying to be more active with the patrons, but it's just, it's difficult to do. Um, I do semi-regularly get these podcasts up, recorded early and put up on Patreon so you can listen to it early and ad-free on there. It's one one of the perks. I can also do polls on here. I need to start doing more polls. Let me try to do one right now. Never done a poll before, but there you go. What grade would you give the Packers in week two? A, B, C, D, F. By the way, interesting little side note, we actually had E's in, uh, in my school. I think it was middle school, maybe high school, I don't know, U46 out there in Chicago. It was A, B, C, D, E. There was no, it was not F's, it was E's. Anyways, let's take a break, and we'll dig in a little bit on uh, what happened for the uh, Green Bay Packers looking at PFF statistics. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance Keep your ride-or-die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view, Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. First of all, if we just start off looking at the uh, offense overall, and then we'll kind of look at overall through the season. Actually, there's one other thing I want to do really quickly. As of right now, through two weeks, the Green Bay Packers' offense ranks 26th, and their defense ranks 23rd as far as points. I know that week one heavily skewed that, but it's still a thing, and it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. But it's a starting point, and we'll see where we go from there. Um, uh, Rushing offense, the Green Bay Packers are 31st. Rushing defense, they're 26th. Passing offense is 20th. Passing defense is 16th. So, again, got kind of a ways to go, but um, this was a step in the right direction. Percentage of drives ending in an offensive score, our offense is dead last. In percentage of drives ending in an offensive score, our defense is number one. What percentage of drives ended in an offensive score? I don't know how that's possible, but it's the reality. They're the number one defense. However, if you look at turnovers, percentage of drives ending in an offensive turnover, our offense is number one, probably a tie. By the way, both of those are probably ties. Our defense is ranked 30th. Um, average starting field position, offensively 31st, defensively 30th. Again, special teams, terrible. Average points scored per drive, offensively were dead last, defensively were dead last. So still through two weeks, this is, this is a not great team. But again, most of that is because of New Orleans and they got to fight their way out of that. But it really just goes to show how bad the game against New Orleans was. Even after winning 35 to uh, 17 against Detroit, um... They're still bottom five in in most categories. Looking at overall via PFF, the overall grade for the Green Bay Packers right now, they're actually 12th, which obviously, again, is not bad considering week one. Um, Offensively, the Green Bay Packers ranked 13th. Defensively, the Packers rank 10th. I know, doesn't make you happy, but it it is what it is. (laughs) Uh, Zooming in a little bit on offense, pass blocking, Green Bay Packers right now, second highest grade of any team. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are number one. Receiving grade, the Packers are 17th. Running grade, the Packers are 24th. Run blocking, the Packers are 10th. Defensively, when we look at run defense, the Packers are 10th. This is almost exactly opposite of what every Packer fan is saying right now. Every angry Packer fan is talking about this team in the exact opposite way. They're talking about how, you know, our pass blocking is terrible. Our run blocking is terrible. Our run defense is terrible. um, 10th overall. Tackling, another thing that everybody hates about the Packers, by far, and I mean by far the best tackling team in football. Second place is the LA Rams, very good defense. By the way, and I mentioned this already before after week one, the number one characteristic of a good defense is tackling. As stupid as it sounds, every good defense is good at tackling, and the Packers are always terrible at tackling. The second highest graded defense in tackling is the Rams with a 74 overall grade, the Packers have an 85.7 overall grade. They are by far the best tackling team in football. Pass rush, uh, not surprisingly, is 24th overall. Coverage is 11th overall. And then special teams, the Packers rank 26th. So a couple not surprising things. Pass rush is really bad overall. Special teams is really bad overall. Looking at this game in particular, overall, the, the highest performing players in reverse order Josh Myers, again, another good day, 70 overall. Aaron Rodgers with a 70.6. Like I said, that's about what I expected. Robert Tunyon with a 78 overall grade, 81 receiving grade. John Runyon was our highest graded offensive lineman, fourth highest on the team, had an 87.2 pass blocking grade, 73 run blocking grade. He was our highest pass blocker and highest run blocker on the team. Great job by John Runyon. Randall Cobb was our third highest, which is great to see. Devonte Adams was number two, so I had those two backwards, 87.4 overall. Aaron Jones, 88.1. He only had a 74 running grade, a 77 pass blocking grade, but a 92.1 receiving grade. It says pass grade, but it's essentially receiving grade. A um, couple 60s and, and 50s, there weren't. There was nobody below a 50, which is good to see on offense. Mercedes Lewis was the lowest graded with a 50.5 um, I know the Green Bay Packers would riot if they heard that. They love Mercedes Lewis and everything that he does, but it is what it is. Alan Lazard, Royce Newman, MVS, um, A.J. Dillon, Elton Jenkins, and Dominique Daphne also in the 50s. I know, Elton Jenkins, blasphemy to say he didn't play well, but it is what it is. Looking specifically at the uh, the blocking, run blocking grades, again, John Runyon was the only one that graded out pretty well. He was in the 70s. Um, guys that did really poorly. Royce Newman was the lowest with a 44. Elton Jenkins with a 48. That was both of their biggest Achilles heels. Neither of them really did terrible as pass blockers. Um, Royce actually graded out really high as a pass blocker. Um, second highest overall. But this this is again, this is kind of a problem. This is part of the issue with a team when you're trying to dominate on the ground and you got your uh, left tackle and your right guard not doing a good job holding off the... Uh, the attacks off the edge. And listen, Trey Flowers, who was up against Elton Jenkins, he's a big dude and he's kind of built that way. He's, he's a real good set the edge run defender kind of guy. And you know, he got the best of Elton. It is what it is, but um, whatever. Pass blocking though, the team overall, again, really high as a group overall pass blocking grade, John Runyon, 87, Aaron Jones, 77, Royce Newman, 76, Dominique Daphne, 76, and Josh Meyer, 72. Elton Jenkins, 64, Billy Turner, 63 um and then that's about it for the offensive lineman in terms of all the pressures there were two sacks credited one to Royce Newman one to Elton Jenkins the hits three of them Josh Myers Royce Newman and Elton Jenkins hurries one for Elton Jenkins one for A.J. Dillon and four for Billy Turner grand total four pressures was the most given up by Mr. Billy Turner as expected El- sorry, I can't help it. Elton Jenkins gave up three. Royce Newman gave up two. AJ Dillon gave up one. Josh Myers gave up one. Another interesting little tidbit. Um, at one point for one game, and I don't exactly know why, it'll be interesting for somebody to go back and find it. Apparently, John Runyon played left tackle for one snap, and uh, Elton Jenkins came in at left guard. Don't know why. Weird little wrinkle, but something to, uh, something to think about, check out, learn about, find out about, give me an answer for it. That'd be great. Um, as, far, as far as zone and gap, it was uh, 60% run in zone for our offensive line, 23% gap, which it's a, there's always a, a gap between that and, and what's left. I don't know what else they were doing the rest of the time, but um, again, still a, a heavy zone team, obviously. Uh, looking at Aaron Rodgers' grades, again, we kind of looked at all his statistics already, but 70 overall, 73.2 passing grade, uh, two big-time throws, one turnover-worthy play had an adjusted completion percentage of 81.5, which was his exact completion percentage. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. That means there was no throwaways, there were zero drops, there were no batted passes. It was just a completely clean game in that regard. Um, Time to throw was 2.76, so much more in rhythm. Um, Again, NFL pass rating 145.6 through 16 first downs, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, Looking at clean versus pressure, again, the, 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 massive difference for Aaron Rodgers is truly incredible. And and I think part of this is, you know, he's still kind of struggling a little bit. Um, we're seeing him kind of panic a little bit under pressure, but 85.2 overall grade. He was 19 of 20, 212 yards and four touchdowns when he was kept clean. I mean, that's about as perfect of a game as you can get a 150.4 passer rating when he was kept clean. Under pressure though, he was three of seven for 43 yards, had a 42.9 passer rating zero big-time throws, one turnover-worthy play. That's the one that should have been a pick, 63.4 passer rating. Again, nobody really does as well when they're under pressure, but that the massive difference there is pretty incredible. They need to, to figure something out to get Aaron Rodgers a little bit more comfortable, even under pressure, give him some kind of a, a dump-off valve or something, because he's still kind of in scramble panic mode. Um, again, the rushing grades, as far as the actual run grades... Aaron Jones against 74, Kylan Hill 63, uh, Jordan Love, oh, <laughs> yikes, that's embarrassing. Jordan Love had a 60 overall grade on his three kneel downs, A.J. Dillon was lower than that, so yikes, um, and Aaron Rodgers had a 50.6 overall grade. Um, yards after contact per attempt, 2.35 for Aaron Jones, 3 for Kylan Hill, and of course A.J. Dillon with 4, because he's just an absolute brute. Which, again, is is funny, and it it goes to kind of telling us exactly what I was saying. He had more yards after contact than he had yards per attempt, which means his average contact was behind the line of scrimmage. I don't understand how that keeps happening to him. Four-yard average after contact, 3.6-yard average overall. But uh, Aaron Jones uh, forced two missed tackles. A.J. Dillon forced three missed tackles on only five attempts. Uh, longest carries, A.J. Dillon was eight, Aaron Jones nine, Kylan Hill five. Nobody, again, for the second week in a row had a 10-yard rush. Um, Let's see, zone and gap, obviously, again, everybody's pretty heavily in zone. In fact, um, almost entirely, Aaron Jones is the only one that played a heavy amount of of gap, about 35 percent-ish. Looking at the receiving grades, again, just the, the grades themselves for receiving, 92 for Aaron Jones, 85 for Devontae, 81 for Tunyon. 78 for Randall Cobb, and then you got 65 for A.J. Dillon, 60 for Equinemius, and a 50.7 for MVS. Yards per reception, Tunyon 17.3, Devontae 15.1. Obviously, Aaron Jones had the three touchdowns. Tunyon had one. Uh, Slot, Randall Cobb 71%. Nobody else was at 50. Tunyon was 45. Devontae was 45. Aaron Jones 20. MVS 15. Nobody else was really playing there. Um, boundary Equanimius is 100% but he only played one snap MVS obviously 81% nothing super interesting with all these types of things uh, Randall Cobb did play in line for a snap Aaron Jones also in line for four MVS obviously a lot of his stats are, are miss, messed up because of the three missed completions but his average depth of target was 28 yards so if those were completed passes that's that's some pretty remarkable stats but obviously we'll never know exactly how that pans out Um, Contested catches, uh, MVS was uh, zero for one. Robert Tunyon was one for one. First downs, Aaron Jones converted five. This is what I love about the team. Aaron Jones converted five first downs. Devontae converted five first downs. Tunyon was three. Randall was two. And AJ Dillon's one catch was a converted first down. 16 different first downs by five different guys. That's pretty awesome. Passer ratings. Robert Tunyon, a 158.3, Aaron Jones, 139.6, Devontae, 118.8, Randall, 102.8, A.J. Dillon, 100, Equinemius, a 79.3, and MVS was a 39.6. It's a heck of a group. Flipping over to the defense, uh, the guys that played well, we had six of them. Chris Barnes with a 70 overall grade, Eric Stokes with a 72, Oren Burks with a 73, only played two snaps, but still. Preston Smith with a 74, Devondre Campbell with an 80.9, Kenny Clark with an 85.8. couple uh, immediate observations before we get to the guys that didn't play well. Number one, Kenny Clark, two good weeks in a row. We'll get into the stats in a minute, but two good weeks in a row. Number two, again, linebackers just polluting the top, which is a terrible choice of words, but that's what I'm going with. They're just littering the top. We had three linebackers play and they're all in the 70s. They're all in the top. Not one linebacker played terribly. Not one of them played poorly. Not one of them was even average. They were all playing well, all of them in the 70s. We had six guys that played well. Three of them were inside linebackers. It's remarkable. Um, Again, a bunch of fairly averages. The only guys that played really poorly, Chandon Sullivan, uh, did play 18 snaps uh, with a 50 overall grade. Tyler Lancaster, Kingsley Kiki, and TJ Slayton, again, it's our defensive line at the bottom. Last week, it was the same group. Not exactly. I don't think TJ was necessarily there, um, but it was all defensive linemen at the bottom. And again, it's the same thing. 37 grade for TJ Slayton, who played six snaps. Kingsley Kiki played 32 with a 44 overall grade. Tyler Lancaster, 46. So this is this is putrid what these guys are doing. So it's it's a little bit of a trade-off. I don't know why the slow start. And again, Kenny's, Kenny's killing it. So I guess I'll take the trade-off. We got good linebackers and Kenny's kind of back on track, but everybody else is terrible. Okay. I, you know, we'll, we'll let one of the coaches come in and explain why that's happening. But again, I'll take that trade-off. Um, looking specifically at run defense grades, we had four guys at the top, Preston with a 74, Chris Barnes with a 77, Kenny Clark with a 78 and Devondre Campbell with a 79. Guys that played poorly, Kingsley Kiki, Darnell Savage, Rashawn Gary, Tyler Lancaster, Daryl Slayton, and Kevin King at the bottom of that. Tackling grades, um, basically the whole team played well. Um, we had two guys did terribly, Kevin King and Shannon Sullivan. The third lowest, though, was Devondre Campbell with a 66 overall grade, which isn't even bad. Guys in the 70s, Lancaster, Preston, Kenny, Garvin, Lowry, Gary, Stokes, Savage, Barnes, Jair, and, and Amos. So, yeah, the, the whole flipping team did a great job tackling. Um, as far as tackling stats, there were 42 tackles, 13 assists, and only three misses. Again, Chandon missed one, Kevin missed one, and Devondre missed one, but he had so many tackles, the ratio didn't even kill his grade that much. Pass rush, again, not very good. Uh, three guys graded out positively. Oren Burks, again, only two snaps, and both of them were pass rushes, which is interesting. Rashawn Gary and then Kenny Clark graded out well. Nobody else did. People that graded out as as being bad, um, Chauncey Rivers had a 58, Tyler Lancaster with a 54, Kingsley Kiki with a 43. Coverage grades, only two guys graded out positively, Eric Stokes and Devondre Campbell. Guys that graded out negatively, let's just say sub-60, Jair had a 57.8, which is pretty disappointing. I think I feel like he did a great job until the end. He kind of got picked on there were like two passes back-to-back where he got beaten up, but I'm certainly not mad about it. Again, we'll get to the stats in a minute. Kevin King, 57.1. Shocking that they were almost identical. Chris Barnes, 56. Amos with a 54. Chandon with a 50. And then Rashawn Gary with a 43, which, I mean, come on. Can we never put Rashawn in coverage? I mean, I'm I'm trying to pump Rashawn Gary, and now you got him out there trying to cover routes and everything. Um, but whatever. Looking at pressures, um, there were 17 pressures on the day, uh, starting at the, ugh, I guess technically the bottom is zero of guys that actually had some attempts, Tyler Lancaster, eight attempts, zero pressures. Kingsley Kiki had 24 attempts trying to get a pressure had zero. Um, TJ Slayton only had one, so who cares? But Devondre Campbell, um, one pressure on six attempts, which is great. Uh, Kevin King, one, a pressure, one attempt, one pressure. So obviously that's perfect. Chauncey Rivers had one pressure on eight attempts. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Oren Burks had one on two, which is 50%. That's incredible. Jonathan Garvin, one of eight, which is fine. Preston Smith was two of 29, which is low. It should be, you know, again, we should be pushing at least three, but whatever. Uh, Dean Lowry, two of 22, which is fine. Roughly 10%. Um, three of 26 for Rashawn Gary. So again, sub 10% we'll get into the, or not sub, uh, above 10%. Whatever. (laughs) What is the other one? I don't know. Sir? Sir, 10%? I don't know. And then Kenny, uh, 5 of 34. So Kenny, again, no sacks, which I know is disappointing and they got to do better, but they're, they're getting the numbers. They just got to finish. And I think a lot of that too is, you know, you, we can't have one guy doing really well and everybody else just doing terribly. I mean, there's a reason why some of these pass rush grades are so low, despite the fact that their pressure rates are high. It's because the other times they're just getting beaten so badly. You know what I mean? You get one pressure on eight attempts, cool. But the other seven times, you got Rashawn Gary flying off the edge, and he's got 40 yards of green grass because you're just getting pushed back five yards. That sucks, man. But 17 pressures, not a single sack. There were six hits on the quarterback, 11 hurries, um, no batted passes, 42 tackles, again, 13 assists, uh, three misses. We won't get into all that because we already kind of went over that. There were uh 14 stops in the game, five by Devondre Campbell, who again was fantastic. Three by Chris Barnes, which is pretty cool because he only played 25 snaps, um, and 12 of them were against the run. Uh, Kenny Clark had three, Amos had two, Eric Stokes even had one, which is fantastic. No forced fumbles. Looking at coverage, Devondre got beat up on the most. Ten targets, um, nine receptions, 47 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Again, the pick kind of saved him. He was getting beat up on a little bit, but most of the receptions were not super deep or anything um after that you had adrian amos who was targeted five times four of them were caught for 33 yards eric stokes was targeted four times only one of them was caught for a touchdown but he had two pass breakups again we'll get into the broader stats but i'm pretty sure he's tied for first in that regard jair was targeted four times two receptions no touchdowns no interceptions no pass breakups that's kind of the bigger problem with with um, him in coverage he's got to break up some passes force some incompletions those kinds of things Kevin King targeted four times, three of them caught for 61 yards, but he did add a pass breakup. Chandon, three targets, three receptions, 43 yards. Chris Barnes, two targets, two receptions, 14 yards. Jonathan Garvin, one target, one reception, four yards. Rashawn Gary, one target, one reception, 10 yards. So the two touchdowns given up were by uh, Eric Stokes and Devondre Campbell. Maybe there is some debate about the Eric Stokes being responsible for that. Would love to get that cleared up. The one pick was by Devondre, and then the pass breakups, we had three, two from Eric Stokes one from Kevin King. Uh, special teams, uh, Henry Black had the highest, so the three highest graded guys are Oren Burks, Dominique Daphne. Henry Black, though, with an 81.7 overall grade. Guys that were terrible, Isaac Yottam, uh, A.J. Dillon, and Isaiah McDuffie. I didn't even know some of those guys were, were out there. I didn't know Yottam was even... Anyways, <laughs> those are the bottom three. Um, punting grades, Corey Bohorquez, 64 overall grade. He had three punts, 140 yards, 46.7 Uh, was his average 43.3 net. His longest was 56 yards. Two of them pinned inside the 20. Um, One was kicked out of bounds. One was fair caught. 4.31 hang time is relatively low, but whatever. Quickly switch over to um, where our guys rank positionally real quick to kind of look at a few things. Um, Again, Aaron Rodgers, because of week one being so bad, is actually graded 28th out of 34 quarterbacks. Actually, that's not even true because I got to sort by overall 30th out of 34 quarterbacks. It's a little bit of a bump, but still pretty painful. Uh, wide receivers, our guys are already kind of climbing the ladder despite a bad week one. Devontae Adams is 11th overall. Randall Cobb is 17th, so they're kind of working their way up. Robert Tunyon right now rated as the 27th highest graded tight end. Aaron Jones right now is the third highest graded receiving running back. So he's he's way at the top right now as far as receiving. Christian McCaffrey, number one, Tony Pollard, number two, and then Aaron Jones, number three. Uh, looking at overall grades, Aaron Jones is the fourth highest graded running back right now. Again, despite a slow start, um, absolutely killing it. Tony Pollard, number one, Nick Chubb, number two, Derek Henry, number three, Aaron Jones, number four. So um, things are coming into balance and, and rapidly. Looking at our tackles, Elton Jenkins dropped from number one to number eight after a pretty rough day, Um, but still a 70 overall run blocking grade, 75 overall pass blocking. Billy Turner's actually 14th right now overall uh, tackle. So we've got two top 15 tackles, despite him giving up a ton of pressures um, on a down-to-down basis, he seems to be doing pretty well. 70 overall run blocking and a 66.6 pass blocking grade. Um, As far as pass blocking, they're actually tied for 19th overall as far as run blocking. um, Elton Jenkins is 16th. Billy Turner is 33rd. Looking at guards, John Runyon right now, even though he only played one game still, he's fifth highest overall uh, guard. Lucas Patrick is 11th right now. So um, again, that may be our guys moving forward. We've got nearly two top 10 guards. Again, if we can just keep this going, I mean, we've got a great group. We just got to get them a little bit more consistent. We got to get the right five out there and see how it goes. But um, this is a great group. Looking at centers, again, Josh Myers is number four overall. He's the number one highest graded rookie center in the class. Um, Eric Stokes right now is the number one rookie corner in football right now. Highest graded. Uh, Defensive line, I mean, fantastic news. Kenny Clark is already top 10. He's number seven overall. He has eight pressures on the season. Um, 81.9 overall grade through two weeks. Uh, run defense. He is the 11th highest graded run defender in football. Again, just brings a tear to your eye. Um, Dean Lowry right now is the fourth highest graded tackling guy. I wasn't even looking at him, but that's interesting. uh, 13th for Kenny Clark as far as tackling. Uh, Pass rush, Kenny Clark is 18th, which again, I guess I'll take it. It's not as high as you'd like, but the statistics are there. Um, In terms of total pressures, Kenny Clark is tied for fourth with eighth. Um, again, you'd like to see more sacks, but it's really not that different. I mean, Aaron Donald has 14 pressures, only one sack. Cam Hayward has 14 pressures, only one sack. Morgan Fox has eight pressures, one sack. Um, Leonard Williams, eight pressures, zero sacks, just like Kenny Clark has. So we'd love to see the sacks, but it's just, it's not necessarily a reality that if you have eight pressures, you should have like, you know, seven sacks or whatever. So we needed a quick start from Kenny, and, and listen, here's the, here's the sneaky thing that's going on. I don't, again, I don't want to overhype things. There's still a lot of negatives, but one of the things I had mentioned is what is this team if the offense kind of stays this way and the defense kind of picks it up? We've already got Kenny with the fast start. We've already got some great stats from Rashawn. He just hasn't quite finished, and we haven't been able to generate a ton of pressure. Preston, by the way, pretty solid start. We'll get to that in a second. Z'Darrius we've hardly seen. Safeties haven't hit their stride yet. Linebackers are the best we've seen from any linebackers in Green Bay in forever. Corners with Stokes. Highest graded rookie corner. I mean, the, the, the corners are doing well. What happens if and when this thing actually kind of clicks? I'm, I'm still stuck on or concerned about maybe this team is about to be real bad, but also I don't know that this team isn't really good. We got to see what this thing at, at its full form actually looks like. Uh, Preston Smith, by the way, ranked 10th best pass rusher in football right now with an 84.3 overall grade, 10th best. Uh, He has three pressures, which obviously is not super impressive. It's the lowest of anybody even in that same category. But the biggest thing is that he is the fourth best run-defending edge rusher in football, which is kind of the big thing he was when he came here. That was the big thing that I wanted from him and thought that he would be able to provide, and he just hasn't. He has an 87.4 run-defense grade off the edge. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence is number one. Alex Highsmith in Pittsburgh is number two. Um, And then some guy in Baltimore, I can't pronounce his name, uh, Owe, not Jason, but Odafe Owe is number three, and then Preston is number four. Um, He is the eighth highest graded tackling edge rusher in football. Rashawn Gary right now is 20th in terms of pass rush. Again, um, Preston is nowhere on this list, but he's ranked 20th right now in terms of pass rush with a 77.7 overall grade. Coverage, I don't think anybody cares, but Preston is eighth. Jonathan Garvin is 21st. So, I mean, it's a thing that happens and exists, and I guess they're kind of good at it. Um, In terms of pressures, Rashawn Gary is uh, tied uh, for 23rd with a couple different guys with seven total pressures so far. Linebacker grades, Devondre Campbell is 13th. Again, last time we saw a nearly top 10 or a top 15. Um, linebacker in Green Bay was, I don't know how long ago, Uh, run defense. He is the third, tied for third highest graded run defender in football at linebacker with an 85 overall grade. Um, None of the other stats are particularly spectacular, so it's not really that important we look at it. However, tackling grade, Chris Barnes is eighth. Uh, Pass rush grade, nobody really does very well. Coverage, we've got Devondre Campbell, 27th. Corners. How about corners? Jair Alexander, 28th. Again, he didn't have the greatest week two, but I still anticipate him getting better. But here's the thing. Eric Stokes right now, 11th best corner in all of football. He is, I mean, just listen to the list of names. Just, just, this is just exciting to listen to. Casey Hayward, Jalen Johnson, Xavier Howard, Joe Hayden, Jalen Ramsey, Marshawn Lattimore, Avanti Maddox, Chris Westry, Carlton Davis, Chris Harris, Eric Stokes. There's your list. <laughs> it doesn't have to stay that way, but that's crazy. By the way, 15th is Patrick Sertan. The first, or was he the second? I don't know. One of the highest graded, highest regarded corners in all of the class. Great preseason, all that stuff. He's 15th. Eric Stokes is 11th right now. And Eric Stokes was considered a reach in the first round. He was a, a mid to late second round pick. The Packers were stupid because they reached on him. Number one rookie corner in football. Um 11th overall in the entire NFL. Again, he is tied right now for number one with three pass breakups. If you just look at coverage grade, by the way, which is the most important thing, Eric Stokes is ninth. He's tied with Xavier Howard right now for ninth. Safety is kind of like last year. We're getting off to a slow start a little bit. Um, Adrian Amos is 34th. Darnell Savage is 39th. It's not terrible, but they're clearly not where they need to be. If you look at run defense, though, Adrian Amos is seventh overall. So we still at least, if nothing else, have that going for us. Uh, coverage, you got Darnell Savage at thirty third. Again, not super fantastic, but it's it's something and they're they're they'll get there. You know, when, when it's week one and you give up two touchdowns and you're Darnell Savage, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit of a climb to get back to where you need to be. By the way, digging into a couple of these more in depth stats, the win percentage Rashawn Gary is eleventh overall. Twenty four point four percent of the time he's winning. One quarter of the time he's beating the guy across from him. So again, I'm I'm happy with him. I would like to see a little bit better uh finishing, I guess, like a lot of these guys. But um that's that's an incredible stat. It just is. Kenny Clark right now is 19th, 15.4%, which is still a really good number. But again, 24% is is crazy. Looking at corners, one of the other cool things that they've got here, when you just look at some of these more in-depth coverage stats and grades or whatever, is forced incompletions, which pass breakups count and all that stuff. Um, Eric Stokes still tied for the lead with third, but they've also got forced incompletion percentage. He's by far in first place. The guy in second place is Chris Chris Westry from Baltimore. 40% of the time when he targeted, he forces an incompletion. Eric Stokes is 60%. Five targets, three forced incompletions. Um, If you look at uh, snaps per reception, in other words, how many times do they snap the ball before anybody catches a pass on me? Number one in the NFL right now is Eric Stokes. He's number one. By the way, strangely enough, J.C. Horn is number two. Greg Newsome is number three. Or they're actually tied for number two, but that's two and three. All rookies at the top. Jair Alexander is 17th with 15.8. But Eric Stokes, number one. 37 times they'll snap the ball before anybody catches a pass on Eric Stokes. So is he off to a good start? I'd say he's off to a pretty good start. Uh, Breaking it down by man and zone right now, um, man coverage, the Packers are just all about it, man. Kevin King is actually the 11th highest graded man cover corner in football, whether you want to believe that or not, 76.1. Eric Stokes is 75.5, Jair Alexander 67.9, and he's 26th. So 26th, 13th, and 11th, Um, they're playing some great man defense, which is a little depressing because this is a heavy zone defense, (laughs) but... um, The percentages actually are are not, um, am I even looking at that right? That's kind of weird. Um, They're not that heavy zone, I guess. But anyways, zone grades. Eric Stokes is the highest packer in uh, zone, 71.6 overall grade. He is 25th. Jair Alexander is 30th with a 70 overall grade. Kevin King, he's not on the list. Let me scroll, scroll, scroll a little bit to find him. Maybe that's just his big, that's his thing right now. Uh, Chandon is, I can't even see. So Kevin King is the third lowest zone grade of anybody with a 29.4. That's Kevin King's problem right now. He's one of the best man corner. And this isn't like, oh, this is some great revelation. We should just always have been playing man. No, he's he's never been this good before. But for some reason this year so far, he's killing it in man. He's getting killed in zone. So do with that information what you will. Uh, Special teams, Henry Black is the 13th best special teamer right now, which is cool. Oren Burks is 35th. Doesn't sound super great, but there's like a billion of them. Uh, Punting grades, Corey Bohorquez is 7th right now with a 67.4 overall grade. In terms of yards per attempt punting, he is 22nd. Um, In terms of his net, he is ranked 13th at 41.9. As far as total distance, he's tied for 16th with 59, uh, you know, 59-yard boot. Longest so far this season is 68. Longest net is 47, for those interested in those numbers. Uh, Number of kicks inside the 20. Corey is tied for eighth yards per return, which is more of a the rest of the guys on the field kind of a deal, although hang time plays into it. So again, these stats are all weird, but um, they are the ninth highest with 11.5 yards per return. And then hang time, he is seventh right now with a 4.47 average hang time. The highest is 4.59 hang time. So again, he's he's not uh, not the most elite punter in the world, but I think he's doing a, a relatively good job. Uh, most of these punts, again, the, the biggest thing, especially from last week, is just the accuracy of the punts. He did have one pretty bad punt yesterday, or two days ago for you, or however many days ago it was. But most of them, it's not just that they were good punts, but just right where they, they land, right where they need to be, which is nice to see. And that's really all I want. Just just punt it in the right spot 90% of the time and we'll be fine. I don't, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like five second hang time or, you know, 70 yard punts, although those are nice, but um, just don't be terrible. And so far he hasn't been terrible. So I'll, I'll accept that. Now, if I wanted to be mean, I could just point out the fact that he's not punting as far or as much hang time as J.K. Scott did, but we'll just leave that alone. <laughs> But anyways, I think that about covers it. I might have missed something, but that's kind of where we're at so far. Did get some responses to my uh, PFF uh, little poll that I did, which I'll probably try to do that kind of stuff more often, ask questions. I do it in the Facebook group a lot, but since we have so many people on in Patreon and um, we've got to start creating perks for people to join in on Patreon, maybe I'll start doing that. I'll ask more questions and do more polls in here. Um We've got one A grade given for week two, eight B grades, and four C grades. So, so far, all all of them are relatively high. No Ds or Fs, which is a little surprising. But uh, Goose says, first half was janky, second half was superlative. In the end, they beat the pants off the Lions, just not as clean as we'd like it to be. B plus, I thought about doing pluses and stuff, but then I figured it would just get kind of, kind of cluster it up a little bit. Roger says, the defense looks awful in the first half. So, kind of a common theme everybody understands terrible in the first half much better second half hopefully the second half is the thing that continues but again patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to join in otherwise you folks have yourselves a fantastic day i'll talk to you tomorrow have a good one bye-bye